As you already know, the Philadelphia Eagles are the greatest franchise in the history of organized sports. That's why they're known as America's team. Case in point, this. Getting booed more like Jill Budin. <laughs> am I right? Yeah, I, I guess I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jill Biden being booed by a, a stadium full of Eagles fans during the game last night. God bless America. Doctor, and of course I do mean Dr. Jill Biden, was on hand as an honorary captain of the Eagles. And let's just move past that part of the story because it disproves some of my argument and I don't want to throw up all over this wonderful suit. I'm no supporter of anyone with the name Biden, I have to say, but I was very surprised to hear the crowd booing like that. Why? Because with a record like the Eagles have right now, it's amazing they could boo anything. I mean, this is just incredible. They're 6-0, the only undefeated team in the NFL coming off a very sweet, sweet victory. The sweetest of victories over the Dallas Cowboys. And my life would have been hell today if that didn't occur. Everybody I know would have been talking to me all about it the entire day about how the Eagles lost. But today it's been almost no sports conversations at all, which is very, very strange. Now, of course, the real reason Jill Biden was in Philadelphia at all was to push Joe Biden's cancer initiative. I am such a fan of this. And in case you forgot, yes, Joe Biden did say on the campaign trail, if you elect him, he is going to cure cancer. So how is that going so far? Let's head over to HasJoeBidenCuredCancer.com. Yes, this is a real website. HasJoeBidenCuredCancer.com. Get the update. It's live 24 hours a day. Ladies and gentlemen, has he cured it? Oh, no. Cancer still exists as of this moment. It would appear he has not cured it just quite yet, but I'm sure he's going uh, to get after that right after he completely ruins the economy. It's a shame. It's a shame. You know, having a Biden as an honorary coach of the greatest football team in history is so disconcerting. And I will say, it may have actually given me cancer. It's so bothersome. Stu does America. BlazeTV.com slash Stu is a place to go to subscribe to Blaze TV. Use the promo code Stu to save 10 bucks. If you're watching YouTube, just click like on the video right now. It's a wonderful experience. There, you want to talk about some weird poll numbers. We've got them for you today. I was like, let's cancel the guests today, move them to tomorrow, because we have really weird polling that I want to look at with you today. That's coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Biden finally launches his student debt forgiveness program. Hopefully it will soon be stopped by the courts. But we start by doing economic hell. Yes, hell. Joe Biden was talking about the economy and how it's very similar to hell. Our economy is strong as hell. The internal inflation is worldwide, worse off everywhere else in the United States. So the problem is the lack of economic growth and sound policy in other countries, not so right. Got it. That's it. It's worldwide. All right, so Joe Biden's eating a waffle cone. And which is uh, inferior to the waffle bowl, by the way. Everybody knows that. But he's, you know, you wouldn't expect him to make the right choice. He's talking about the economy. And he says it's strong as hell. Now, there are a lot of similarities to hell, and we should get to those uh, today. But first, I want to talk about how the rest of the country does not seem to find it strong at all. They all seem to see it a totally different way. And this is, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Every candidate is going to give you the flowery picture of uh, the situation if they're in power. Everybody's going to do it. 
I've never seen anyone try to say to you, don't trust your lion eyes more than I have seen from Joe Biden and the Democrats in this particular cycle. Let's go through some of it right now. Republicans gain edge as voters worry about economy. A New Times Siena poll finds one of the highest ranked pollsters. Uh, they say, which party's candidate are you more likely to vote for in this year's election for Congress? 49 to 45, the Republicans lead. That sounds like a small lead. In, in a normal poll, you might say, oh, well, the candidate's only up by four points. Normally, Democrats always lead the generic battle, uh, ballot. It is very odd that they would be losing it. That is a very bad sign for Democrats. That's, uh, that's uh, emergency territory for Democrats. With inflation and unrelenting and the stock market steadily on the decline, the share of likely voters who said economic concerns were the most important issues facing America has leaped since July to 44% from 36%, far higher than any other issue. GOP uh, is lead is, uh, is they are leading for House control. Democrats' momentum stalls amid economy worries. This is a new CBS News battleground tracker poll. Now I want to go through some of the the uh, polling in here, and I don't know. You've never run a campaign, probably, and there's a lot of people in politics uh, who watch the show, but you're probably not one of them. Odds are, never run a campaign. All you do is vote, right? Maybe you work with some organizations. Maybe you volunteer every once in a while. Maybe you, know, you donate to a candidacy here and there. But most likely, you're, you're pretty limited in your actual interaction in these things. So you don't think of it from their perspective, people who are running campaigns. Let me bring you into that world a little bit. If you're trying to win, what you don't want to see is the following. The economy is getting better, 15%. Worse, 65%. Staying the same, 20%. You don't want that on your record when you're trying to get reelected as a party in power. How about this? Democratic policies, have they been, I don't know, helping, harming the economy? Harmed the economy, 48%. Helped, 29%. No difference, 23%. You don't want numbers like these to run on. The Biden administration could be doing more, 68%. Only 32% say they are doing all that they can. Is the Biden uh, administration responsible for what's going on in the economy? 45% said a lot. 26% said some. 20% said a little. 8% said not at all. I mean, that is not good. Okay, that is not good. I mean, even if you let, you let a little slide, that 20%, you're still at 71% saying a lot or some. That is terrible when you have the other numbers we've talked about where everyone thinks the economy is bad. Now, if the economy was good, you'd want numbers like that. But when it's bad, you don't. You don't want numbers like that. Gas prices in your area, are they going up? In August, only 16% said yes. Now, 63% say yes. Are they going down? 53% said yes in August, only 13% now. And saying the same is down a little bit as well. That's because they are going up. <laughs> you don't need a poll. They're just, we can look at the prices. They're going up. This is reality. This is what's going on. Skyrocketing inflation is raising mortgages, putting first homes out of reach. It's destroying the housing market. And I, I told you about this stat before, and it's remarkable. I don't think people have t- thought about this enough. This is uh, from Lizanne Saunders. She says, mortgage rate bite, with quite a visual put together by Bloomberg, for a $2,500 a month payment and 20% down, you figure that's a normal housing purchase, right? 20% down, $2,500 a month. You can now afford $476,000 in, in, in a house. You get a, you know, you get a house for $476,000. In early 2021, that figure was 
$5,000. So people who have about the same amount of money and can afford the same amount of money per month can now afford a home that's worth $300,000 less. Look at the chart if you don't believe me. Yes, it's going up, it's going up, it's going up. It hits $759,000, then down to $476,000. When you adjust for inflation, that is the lowest it has been on the entire chart, which goes back to about the beginning of the century. That's not good. You don't want to be running on that. And here's the problem. Democrats still have to run a campaign. They still have to go through this this charade. So what are they going to say? They can't really blame Donald Trump. He's not in power. They're going to try to do that. But they have to basically say what you what you think you're feeling isn't really happening. What we've done didn't really happen. Forget about it. Think about other things. How can we distract you today? This is an incredible headline from none other than the New York Times. Quote, Democrats spent $2 trillion to save the economy. They don't want to talk about it. If the New York Times is saying that, if they're noticing that, what is going on? I mean, if you spend $2 trillion, it's the central achievement of your administration. You get $2 trillion over the finish line. That was difficult to do. Lots of economists, including their own economists, were saying it's going to cause inflation. Larry Summers, uh, Jason Furman, all saying, hey, guys, uh, this is going to be bad if you do it. They decided to do it anyway. Every horrible warning about what would happen has happened and been much, much worse. And then what do you do? You just act like you didn't pass $2 trillion of spending? That's an incredible position to be in. They can't run on what they've done because what they've done has hurt you. What they've done has hurt your life, has made your life worse. So they can't mention it. Biden officials have been been pressed on inflation as prices remain high ahead of the midterms. I want you to listen to this quote. This is uh, this is first of all, Pete Buttigieg trying to talk his way out of this. And it's really, really awkward. They have no place to go. Listen. The threat of a recession is still looming. We saw the head of J.P. Morgan, Jamie Dimon, said it's all but certain to be coming in a few months and it's going to be bad. How worried are you? Look, it's possible but not inevitable. And we're doing everything we can to strengthen the foundations of the American economy. This is from a president who just recently told you one of the most irresponsible things I've ever heard a president say. When he was asked, should the American people be uh, preparing for a recession, he said no. Now, even if you think the economy is going to be gangbusters for the next 20 years, of course, every American should prepare for a recession. It's the least you can do as a citizen. If you have the means to prepare for a recession, you should always be prepared because you don't know when they're coming. Now we're at a situation where Number one, we're already, by rule of thumb, in a recession. Number two, every major economist is saying, holy crap, we're on the verge of a recession. Probably going to happen very soon if it isn't already. And he's saying don't prepare for it. Not that it's not going to happen, or we hope it's not going to happen, but don't prepare for it. Now, Buttigieg is trying to walk that line as well. He's trying to just talk circles around people who are interviewing him. Here's another uh, uh, example of this where he actually got called called out for once. The president said this week that the economy is both strong as hell, but also if there is a recession, it'll be very slight. What exactly is the forecast? Well, look, uh, I mean, forecasting is uh, by its nature something that is a little bit uncertain. What we know is that that's political spin. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. By the way, why are we hearing from the transportation secretary about this? 
Well, what is he? What, what, what is this guy's job? I know he fake. He gets in SUVs and drives close to the Capitol and acts like he's biking into work. Other than that, what has this guy done? Take long maternity leaves. Why is he talking to us about the economy? Why do we hear from him? He's the transportation secretary. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. Now, maybe the reason we're hearing from Pete Buttigieg is because they keep sending out their economists, and that doesn't go well either. Here's one of the uh, big economists in the Biden administration talking uh, about the situation, and wow, it's kind of ugly. Gas, chicken, coffee, milk, bread have all gone up significantly. These are real kitchen table issues for Americans. Absolutely. And the price of food is part of our inflation challenge. Mm. Uh, And again, uh, we are focused on it to the best of our abilities. Part of the challenge for food is actually through energy. And so Putin's war against Ukraine, uh, where he has weaponized natural gas, he's weaponized energy, shows up in food prices as well. Mm, It's Putin's fault. They're still on the Putin price hike thing, which is really incredible because all of this started, of course, beforehand long before Putin did any of this stuff. This is happening because of the way Joe Biden and others, by the way, in Washington, spent a lot of money. Uh, but they keep trotting out the same economists, uh, Rouse, and it's, it's bad. They don't have a good spokesperson here. She's trying her best. She's trying to put a happy face on this, but she's not really succeeding. Yeah, I just, I'm just curious, and a lot of Americans are curious, when the so-called Inflation Reduction Act will really start to bring down inflation. So the, the many parts of the bill will start to take effect next year. For example, oh. there are tax credits for energy to help people weatherize their homes uh, and also oh. bring down other forms of energy costs. So we are focused on helping to make that transition to clean energy in a way that brings down energy costs for families. Guys, just weatherize yourself out of this. Everything will be fine. You just need to you're not weatherizing enough. That's your problem. Are you struggling right now with the cost of food and gas? Weatherize. That's going to solve this problem. Now, Cecilia Rouse has been out there trying to talk her way out of this. It's not going well. They're like, well, how about let's get uh, White House economic advisor Jared Bernstein to give it a whirl. Here's how that went. How long can we do that? If we're doing millions Good of question. barrels at a time, there is a bottom to that. So I knew you would ask me that because I know you're very interested in the strategic reserve and its capacity. As all Americans should be. Yeah, as all of On a Sunday morning, what else are we thinking about than SPRO capacity? Okay. Exactly. There, is, there are still 400 million barrels of oil in the strategic reserve. It is more than half full. I, I think people don't wow. quite have that capacity number in their head. We've never done a draw uh, that's of that magnitude. And the largest draw that we've ever done that President Biden presided over in March is 180 million barrels. Mm. So the fact is that there is capacity there uh, to use the SPR to deal with some of the energy shocks we're seeing in the world. But I'm not saying we will. That's up to the president to decide. And he hasn't made that decision yet. This is going well. Uh, Hey, we're in the middle. We're on the verge of war. We've got all these problems going on. But we've got almost half of our preparation, which is great. You're going to just just don't worry about it. Uh, Maybe the issue is he's sending out all these other people and Joe Biden just needs to come to the people himself. He's the one saying we're strong as hell. What does he have to talk about this? What's going to what's going to what's going to happen with all these incredible bills he's passed? How will we save all of this money? Listen. 
The same way with what's in the Inflation Reduction Act has to do with your ability to be able to get tax credits for buying, if you need a new coffee machine, a new washer, a new refrigerator, you buy an efficient refrigerator, efficient coffee machine, you get a tax credit for it. It costs you less money. It's estimated average family will save $500 a year as well on just that. There are also tax credits for weatherizing your home, putting in new windows to keep the... Or a door that doesn't, you know, leak air and bring in the cold, et cetera. I mean, if it's cold, just drink coffee from your new coffee machine. We're going to coffee our machine our way out of this crisis. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. If that doesn't work, you got to weatherize your doors. We are going to caulk our way to prosperity. That's the path we're all on uh, together. This all goes to the fact that They know they're in serious trouble here. They don't know what to do about it. This is what they're trying to do about it. Blathering on about nonsense, about weatherizing your doors is the only thing they seem to be able to talk about. But I want to give you insight here because, sure, a conservative can say they're going to lose, but most Democrats are not going to admit it. What if I were to tell you the press secretary of the United States, uh, Biden's press secretary, number one, knows very, very well that if they talk about Biden. If you think about Biden and the job he has done with his all of the people that he has been working with in Congress, people like Raphael Warnock, for example, all these people who have done all these things to you, if you think about them, they will lose. It's not me saying it. It's Jen freaking Saki. Yeah, look, I think that Democrats, if the election is about uh, who is the most extreme, um, as we saw, you know, Kevin McCarthy touch on there with Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'll say her name, sitting over his left side, then they're going to win. If it is a referendum on the president, they will lose. And they know that. They also know that crime is a huge vulnerability for Democrats. I would say one of the biggest vulnerabilities. And if you look at Pennsylvania, for example, what's been interesting to me is it's always you follow the money and where are people spending money. And And in Pennsylvania, the Republicans have been spending millions of dollars on the air on crime ads against Fetterman because that's where they see his vulnerability. So, yes, the economy is hanging over everything, but you do have to look at state by state factors. And crime is a huge issue in Pennsylvania. She was paid to argue on Biden's behalf. And this is the craziest thing. MSNBC is such a bunch of, uh, you know, water carriers for the administration that Jen Psaki's the critic on the network. Amazing. This is the strategy, though. Convince everybody that everything else is January 6th. That's the issue you should vote on. You know, you should totally vote on abortion. You should totally vote on uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump. uh, He's he's a big thing. He's he's the guy on the ballot, even though he's not on the ballot. Think about what he's tweeting on or truthing on truth social right now. But the problem is you can't. This isn't going to work. People buy groceries every week. They go to the gas pumps every week. I don't I wouldn't push push this past an AOC type character, but most people are not getting abortions every week. This is a small part of their lives and they don't. Most people don't agree with Democrats on the issue. The reality is things are so bad for Democrats that they have to lie. They have no other choice but to lie to you, to try to hold on to as much power as they possibly can. When Joe Biden says the economy is strong as hell, he's got this partially right. And I want to be I want to be a little bipartisan here. Normally we are critical of the Bidens, but I want to make sure that people understand that he was kind of right here. 
the economy is pretty much like hell. It's not strong as hell, but it is pretty much hell. Right now, half the country wants to run a campaign based on abortion. We're just talking about it. Yet one out of every five Americans that could eventually be voters, could eventually be people who could do amazing things in this country, in this world. One out of five of those people will not ever even have a chance to live outside of the womb because of abortion. It's the leading cause of infant death in the world. Over 63 million babies have been aborted just since Roe versus Wade was enacted, and a lot more will be aborted as we go forward. They're trying to make this into, I mean, Michigan right now, they're running their whole campaign on it. The most extreme abortion policy you can imagine. Uh, the Ministry of Preborn and Blaze Media are partnering to help rescue 50,000 babies from abortion in 2022. They're working to put Planned Parenthood out of business, and that's exactly where they should be. Uh, when you give an ultrasound to an expecting mother, 80% of the time, just hearing the baby's heartbeat is enough to convince the mother to keep her baby. And that's a miracle. Every time it happens, it's a miracle. And Preborn has been involved in thousands and thousands of these miracles. When the baby is born, they help with maternity clothes and baby uh, and, and diapers and car seats and counseling, all this stuff free of charge. They are committed to life. Preborn has a passion to save unborn babies and bring women to Christ as well. Over the past 15 years, they have counseled over 450,000 women considering abortion, and at least 188,000 babies have been saved already. So why not help? You can donate, dial pound 250, say the keyword baby. Pound 250, the keyword is baby. Or you can go to preborn.com slash stew to help out this incredible cause. Preborn.com slash stew. I hold in my hand a weird freaking batch of polls. <laughs> and I don't, I gotta be honest with you, most of the time I see this, I'm like, okay, I can see how that's happening. There are several things in here that just, I, they can't be right. I, I, I don't know what, what's happening. Let's go through them together. And we'll start with, first of all, how this segment works. Stu does the polls. We go through, the, you know, a bunch of the interesting polls that come out on a daily basis. And not only do we give you the results, but we also will give you kind of a picture uh, of where this poll lands in our understanding of the race. Is this an improvement for the conservative candidate? Is this sort of neutral, sort of where we thought this race was? Or is this a bad result for the conservative candidate? And we kind of factor in things like, is this a Republican-leaning pollster? Is it a Democratic-leaning pollster? Is it a reliable pollster? All those things kind of get factored into this little picture as we kind of try to summarize the state of the race on almost an everyday basis. So let me, uh, what's the premise of the campaign right now? What, what are we looking at? You know, we did the Senate rundown a couple of weeks ago. And at that point, we had, I believe it was 48 Republicans, 47 Democrats. And then there are five toss-up races in which the Republicans would need to win three of five to control the Senate. That's basically the picture we had a couple weeks ago. And our general uh, tilt of the race is uh, there was a time uh, several weeks ago where Democrats got engaged. They were very engaged because of things like the Dobbs verdict and, or the Dobbs uh, decision. And so they kind of came and they were very active in politics earlier than Republicans. But as we said at the time, I don't think there's a reason to worry because Republicans, are, as we get closer to the election, are going to get more and more involved, more and more engaged. And these races are going to tighten. And I think Republicans are going to win a lot of these closer ones. So I've been looking at a, a good chance at a small victory in the Senate, a, a, a decent sized victory in the House. Uh, and we'll kind of have to see where it goes from there. 
a lot of this polling would support that thesis that things are tightening. Some of them give an even better picture as to where this might be going. So let's start with the race in Michigan for governor. Now, this is a race between Tudor Dixon, the Republican, Gretchen Whitmer, of course, the lockdown Democrat. And this is a race where you'd think, I I mean, our impression of this race was it was a high single digits race right now with the Democrat leading. Latest poll, this is from uh, Signal, and has uh, Whitmer 48, Dixon 44, only a four point race in Michigan. If this is accurate, this is a good poll for Republicans. If this race is this close, the climate is going to be very positive for Republicans. Another one in the same basket, Minnesota Governor Scott Jensen against Tim Walls. Now, Tim Walls is the Democratic candidate. This is the type of race you'd think is maybe high single digits, maybe low double digits. What's going on in this race? Latest poll from Minnesota Post. Walls 47, Jensen 42, a five point race in Minnesota for governor. If this is true, this is the type of thing that would point to a Republican wave election, a big time victory for Republicans. Uh, This is a good poll for uh, Republicans so far, and it's been one of the better polls in this race. Is it true? We don't know. A lot of times we know, look, we can't sit here and be critical of polls in every other election when they're against us and then when they're good, accept them. But still, they are a good indicator as to the generalized state of the race. And that's how we like to use them here. It's how we don't get sucked into all we do is look at polls. And it's how we don't also get fooled like a lot of other people have year after year after year when saying the Republicans are going to win in a landslide and they don't. Well, it's important to factor in not only the fundamentals of the race and the, and the sort of momentum of the race, but also what the polls say. It's all part of it. Um, now, we brought up a, a, a poll a couple of, maybe it was last week, And there's a poll from Trafalgar. We've talked about Trafalgar a lot. Robert Cahaley, who's kind of one of their head honchos over there, has been on the on the program a bunch of times on radio. Uh, He has had really good results in a couple of elections in a row. Didn't call the winner of the 2020 election, but did call a lot of the states very close, was one of the only pollsters showing really close results in places like Wisconsin that wound up turning out to be accurate, uh, was correct in 2016. I believe they had the electoral count exactly correct in 2016 with a Trump victory. Um, As you may know, we had the uh, exactly correct here on this program for the 2020 election. Uh, So we're in good company on this one with Trafalgar. Now, Trafalgar uh, does some polls for Republicans. They're often listed as a Republican pollster. Some of those polls are taken for Republicans and candidates. Some of them are independent polls. Uh, But Trafalgar has a little bit of a different way looking at these elections. And they have shown more favorable results for Republicans over the years. Many many times, it's important to note, those results have been accurate. They've been more Republican leading than other pollsters, but have been correct in those leanings. Now, when people look at their polls for this cycle, what they've seen, generally speaking, is really good results for Republicans. And a lot of people are critical of Trafalgar because, A, either they don't believe that, that they're accurate or, number, number two, they don't want to believe that they're accurate. We don't know which one it is. But we showed you a poll of, of the New York race between Kathy Hochul and Lee Zeldin. Now, this was a two-point race, according to Trafalgar. And I told you, my, it's the only time I've used this rating. My rating for that was too good to be true. 
I can't believe it's possible. That's a two-point race. Now, as you know, as a person, the purveyor of Andrew Cuomo is awful.com. I don't like New York governors that much, particularly uh, Democratic governors. Uh, <laughs> they're pretty bad. Lee Zeldin's been running what seems to be a pretty good campaign. He's been focusing, you know, laser-focused on the crime issue, which is huge in New York right now. And now there's a new poll out from Sean Cooperman. This is a Democratic pollster. So you might think, okay, I mean, this might be a little bit Democratic-leaning. This is a surprising result. Kathy Hochul, 50. Lee Zeldin, 44. Only a six-point race. This is the type of thing you'd think would be 15 points. In a, in a, in a neutral cycle, you'd think this is a 15-point race. Kathy Hochul, who is not good, by the way, and and many people think she's as bad or worse than Cuomo, maybe not as corrupt, but really incompetent. Um, A six-point race, 50 to 44, is a very good result for this race. It, in a way, sort of confirms that we are really seeing movement toward the Republicans in a slew of blue states right now. This is the type of thing that looks like it could result in a 52, 53, 54 seat majority in the Senate. These type of climates are needed for a real wave election to occur. Remember, these race, 50-50 in the Senate, and there's a very small margin in the House. This is not like 2010, where Republicans are way, way down and can gain 60, 70 seats at a time. This is a type of environment where the, the, the seat number might not be as high, but the result still could be uh, 230, 240 seats in the House, which is a major majority. We could see 53, 54 seats in the Senate. This would be huge. And if this is accurate, it would be incredible. Well, let me give you more evidence on the same front. These are bonkers polls that came out over the past couple of days to me. Bonkers. Connecticut. Ned Lamont is the Democrat. Bob Stefanowski is the Republican. These races, I've thought so little of these races that some of these candidates, I've never even heard their names before. I got to be honest with you. I follow this stuff for a living. I would not have been, you could have quizzed me for a million dollars. Who's the Republican for governor in Connecticut? I don't live there anymore. I would not have been able to call out Bob Stefanowski. Well, the voters in Connecticut apparently do know who he is. And this is, again, a very surprising poll coming from the Connecticut Examiner. 50 to 43, Ned Lamont only up by seven. Now this, you could make an argument, this should be an 18 point race. In an average situation, a Republican leaning election, maybe it's 12 or 11. The fact that it's in single digits is it's got to be terrifying the left. They have to be absolutely apoplectic. Uh, ap- what is it? What's the word? Apoplectic. Apoplectic. Thank you. Apoplectic about these type of results. This is not good. Not good at all. Uh, and I will tell you, I mean, I should say it's a very good result. This is a good result for us. Really bad for them. Ned Lamont should be strolling into office for more time as to, to ruin the state of Connecticut. That should be his life. It should not be hard. Well, same thing with Richard Blumenthal. Blumenthal is the terrible, terrible senator from Connecticut. He's one of the worst, honestly, one of the underrated worst senators in the Senate. He's going up against Leora Levy. Again, if you ask me who the Republican nominee for the Senate it was in Connecticut. I don't know that I even would have been able to muster a guess, let alone come up with Leora Levy. However, the latest poll is out. Blumenthal, 49. Levy, 44. A five-point margin in Connecticut. If this is the reality, we are talking about massive wave election in progress here. And 
everything that I've given you so far points in that direction. Let me move you over to Iowa here for a second. And I'll give you another poll that kind of sends the same message. This is Kim Reynolds against Deirdre Dejir. And once again, I would not have been able to name the Democrat in this race, Deirdre Dejir. Um, but this is kind of what you'd expect in this particular climate, right? This is the type of margin you'd expect in this poll. It comes from the Des Moines Register. And this is, by the way, one of the top rated pollsters in the country. The people asked in this race, 52 to 35, a 17 point lead for Kim Reynolds. And you'd say, OK, well, that's what I would expect in this environment. All everything you've told me so far, Stu, is pointing me to the exact same conclusion that we are in a really strong Republican year. And there is an overwhelming amount of uh, evidence that these races that should be easy, uh, blue races, just, just, you know, skating to victory are having real trouble. They're in close races. They may need to start spending money in places like Connecticut and New York. This is crazy. We saw the same thing happen in the New Jersey election last year. No one thought it was going to be close. And the guy in the Republican who I can't remember his name almost won. Could that be happening again in these states? We will see. Now you get a race in Iowa where it's a 17-point lead, a a very highly respected pollster, and often rated the number one pollster in the United States. 17-point lead for governor, for the Republican. Now let's go over to the Senate. Chuck Grassley has been in the Senate since 1841. He is running yet again, this time against a guy named Mike Franken. And the the same people who gave Kim Reynolds a 17-point lead supposedly are giving Chuck Grassley a three-point lead. Now, this makes absolutely no sense. Grassley is not a guy that's seen as controversial. He's not like, oh, they put, you know, Mastriano, for example, in Pennsylvania, where some people who are moderates really don't like him or whatever the case is. This is Chuck Grassley. He's like, I mean, he's got grass in his name, and he's about as exciting as watching it grow. That's who he is. He's like the most boring guy in the Senate. And he's been in Iowa for a zillion years. And I don't know, maybe they're just sick of him. I don't know. Maybe this guy Franken is really doing, he's catching the incredible winds of Iowa. I don't know. But a three-point lead, this is a terrible poll, by the way. A terrible, terrible result for uh, Republicans. 46-43. And it sort of pushes back. Now, maybe it's just a one off situation. I'd love to talk to Steve Dace about this poll. He may just, you know, dismiss it as an outlier and that may very well be accurate. Maybe he knows more about the Grassley situation than I do uh, being on the ground in Iowa every day. But that is a fascinating slew of polls. What do we get out of this? I think what we get out of it is that we are on the verge, on the cusp of potential real gains for Republicans. Whatever momentum the Democrats uh, supposedly had that I never really believed is coming back to earth here. And we're starting to see all these races tighten up in a big, big way. The Grassley one, I got to see more polling that even comes close to supporting that before, because I think I have that race as a, a safe race. So if we see another poll that shows it, you know, three to five points, I'm gonna have to move that back into the leaning category at the very least. But as of right now, I would still not worry about it being a safe seat. These are really fascinating stories. And some of these Democratic seats, I mean, does Connecticut move into a leaner in our next update? It may have to if we keep seeing polling like this. Incredible results from across the board here. We'll have more for you, I, I bet, on tomorrow's program. Back in a second.
What a weird time we live in. You know, we, we, uh, earlier on in the program, I shared with you a statistic. If you are buying a home right now and you're going to put down 20% on that home and you're going to want to spend $2,500 a month on the mortgage, you can afford a house that's roughly about $450,000. The crazy thing is a year ago, you, with that same profile, 20% down, $2,500, you could, you could afford a house that costs $759,000. What is going on with our housing market right now? Who knows what, what's going to come around the corner? The only people who really understand this stuff are the people on the ground in your specific area. The real estate agents, they're in the middle of this every single day. They watch these markets. They see what areas are working well, which ones aren't, which school uh, systems are good, which ones aren't. All these things are really important when you buy or sell a home. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the best place to, go, place to go to find the best agent in your area. If you go to Real Estate Agents I Trust, if you go there, you can connect with the team. They're going to give you some basic info. You give them the, your request, what you're looking for. You get an intro to the agent in your town, and then you make the best deal possible. That's all you can hope for. When the market's crazy, you got to master it the best way you can. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to do that. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Interesting note about Donald Trump. Uh, he's not in office. He's also not running for office. Just a guy right now. Now, he was in office at one time, and he may run for office in the future. But as of right now, neither is true. So the fact that he dominates every single bit of brain space that still remains for Joe Biden is quite the interesting conundrum. He, the White House has come out with a statement about Donald Trump's Truth on Truth Social, I guess, where he wrote uh, that American Jews need to get their act together and show, show more appreciation for the state of Israel before it's too late. Now, they have come out and said that's anti-Semitic. Now, first of all, it's, it's probably more about Donald Trump wanting credit for, by the way, the incredible things he accomplished with Israel. I mean, it, it really is incredible. But also, most anti-Semites don't say you should appreciate Israel more. That's not really their take on Israel. They want it to go away usually. So I don't think this makes any sense. And I would, you know, tend to note that, I mean, we just had Jared Kushner on the air on the radio show a few weeks ago who wrote a book about all the incredible things they did with Israel. Uh, Jared Kushner, Ivanka Trump, you may, it would be hard to love them if you were an anti-Semite. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Like, it doesn't really work. Kanye West, on the other hand, I don't, I don't know if he has any of those uh, issues. Kanye West, who, look, I, Kanye West was insane before he started liking Donald Trump. He's always been insane. He's been insane since he was in front of the crowd saying, uh, George Bush doesn't care about black people. He was, and poor Mike Myers, which is standing there with the greatest look on his face of all time. This is back in the Katrina days. He's always been kind of insane. He's always been kind of a contrarian. That's kind of who he is. So he came out and said some bad things about Jews and that I think were anti-Semitic. Now, no worse than what Nick Cannon said, and he still has multiple shows on network television. But Kanye West has been debanked over all of this. Now he's decided to buy Parler uh, because he lost all of his social media accounts. Now he's going to go over to Parler. Okay, but like, again... This is totally separate, but I was I was I went into a store the other day that were selling like old shoes like and I mean like collector's edition shoes and like they had like Air Jordans worth like eight hundred and fifty dollars. I did not buy anything in the store, but they did have some Yeezys, some of the shoes that Kanye West makes that are supposedly really great. Um, they basically look like if, if an alien came down to Earth and had sex with the Crocs, that's what would be born out of that relationship. They I. 
they were not even shoes. I don't know what they were. They looked like a, a heaping, I don't know what they were. I, I will say, I do not think anybody should lose their freedom of speech. But I personally would debank Kanye West because of these shoes. They were the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And that comes to you from a fashion expert, me. Back in a second. Protecting yourself online is one of the most important things that you can do. Uh, Making sure you're not a victim of identity theft or locking down your system is really, really important. And, you know, I hate when these stories come out, but we need to report on them. Uh, A terrible hack has happened at CNN.com. I mean, this this story is on CNN.com right now. It says Biden has spent more than a fourth of his presidency working from Delaware, outpacing Trump's regular trips away. Now, there's a huge piece of criticism about Donald Trump that he never was in the office. And now they're saying Biden's out of the office more often. Obviously, CNN.com has been hacked. I mean, and you say, oh, it's just one article. Let me give you this. Fact check. How Democratic ads mislead four on four GOP candidates' abortion stances. They go through four different races where Democrats might lose and tell you bad things about the Democrats and good things about the Republicans. They try to tell you the facts about the issues. What, what awful person hacked into CNN and put these articles on there? Because we know it wasn't anybody who worked there. I mean, seriously, are we at the point where CNN is actually going to do journalism again? There are some weird rumblings going on over there. It's making me very uncomfortable. They keep, not all the time, Mind you, but like five percent of the time they're telling the truth and that is wrong. That's not what's supposed to happen in this country. It's not what's supposed to happen. Normally, uh, we'd be hearing justifications of candidates that are absolutely insane. Now, let me give you an example about that. There's a candidate in, <laughs> in New York who's been it's got a little bit of a controversy going on. There's a sex tape out. Now, this has happened before. You know, Kanye West was married to someone who was famous for being in a sex tape. But this is a different kind of sex tape. Yes, this sex tape is made by a candidate for office. And you never want that. Is this an Anthony Weiner situation? You know, he's on he's talking to a 14 year old on Twitter. What's going on here? No, this person knew they were being filmed and they did it intentionally. It's a 53 year old guy, Mike Itkiss. He's an independent candidate running for New York congressional seat uh, that currently held by Jerry Nadler. And to ease your mind, Jerry Nadler is not in the sex tape. Uh, but he released a video on Pornhub intentionally called Bucket List Bonanza featuring him having sex with someone named Nicole Sage, an adult actress and model. Now, some would say he's just wanted to have sex with a porn star. And this is the only way he could think of doing it. But he's saying he's just very pro-sex work and wants to normalize it. So that's why he released the video. You know, there's very few times uh, that uh, I will not even show you one image from a particular video because it's too disturbing. Uh, this is this is one of those cases, however.
Thanks so much for having our YouTube uh, channel grow so quickly recently. We do appreciate you going over there. Even if you don't watch it all the time on YouTube, if you go over there, you click follow, you click the little bell, you click like on some of the videos, it really helps spread the word uh, because uh, that's how these algorithms work, and we do appreciate when you do that. A couple comments from Friday's show. Never underestimate the ability of Republicans to totally screw up a slam dunk win. That's kind of like evergreen. Um, I have a hard time finding out information on my own state, so I'm thinking that people in Pennsylvania are being blocked from finding out information on Fetterman. How else could he be in the lead? The left literally pray to government. Anyone else remember the story of the young child who was praying to Obama after his mom got the Obama phone? Ugh. Disturbing times, and it's going to get weirder and weirder from here, boys and girls. We'll see you tomorrow.